Well, good morning. It's so good to see everyone and be with you. Uh, we are um, after last weekend's celebration, and for those that couldn't be with us, we missed you greatly, but we were able to just pause and uh, acknowledge God's faithfulness to us to celebrate our five-year anniversary as the Parks Church here uh, in Melissa, and uh, so grateful for that weekend. But we're returning to our study in the book of Daniel. Uh, if you haven't been with us over the last number of weeks, you can catch up on Daniel uh, through our podcast, through the website, um, and just go online, theparkschurchmelissa.com, and you can find, you can get on even on your phone later uh, this afternoon. You can download that and catch up. But we um, are working our way through. We'll find ourselves in Daniel chapter 7 this morning. And, um, and so just a few chapters in, there's plenty of time for you to kind of pick up uh, with us and catch up on this. You know, road trips, as I was thinking about this uh, text that we're about to, to dive into, road trips are uh, really fun. Um, by the way, if I do this just sort of spontaneously today, there, there was a big basketball game yesterday, so that just might happen. I should just acknowledge that as I think about road trips. Um, but they're fun, you know, and really, I actually should probably say that road trips are not as fun. It's the destination that we arrive at when we get through the road trips, because I don't know if your family is like mine, and, and especially in, in kind of days past, that, um, you know, road trips weren't always that fun, um, you know, our boys were relatively good travelers in their younger days, um, but you stay on the road long enough and anyone, any even adult human being um, can kind of lose uh, sight of the, uh, the hope and the fun that can be uh, in the road trip. Um, you've got uh, any number of uh, pit stops. Um, way too many in my book. Uh, there's really only need for one pit stop, no matter the distance. Um, and uh, that'll get you as far as you need to go. And, um, but you go too long, and uh, there is surely to be wailing and gnashing of teeth if you try to stay on the road uh, too long. There's traffic and um, the gas station that's got a hubcap for a keychain on the one gas, on the one restroom, and um, exhaustion sets in. And so when you think about the actual road trip, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a beating. Um, it's not fun really at all, but you have to keep in mind the thing that propels you to stay on the road, that propels you to keep going, is you know you're going to arrive somewhere great. You know you're going to arrive, and uh, by God's grace, um, if everyone hasn't killed one another by the time you get there, then you might actually enjoy yourself. You know, this is the life of exile. This is what it means for us to live as exiles, as people, that this is not our home. This is not... Um, where we're going to stay forever. No, we're in a temporary place. And so Daniel, as we've talked about, as we've studied this book, he wrote this to people who had been displaced from their homeland, found themselves in a really bad situation, being persecuted and being attacked purely because of their identity, just who they were. And so because of that, they found they were under attack. And, and so Daniel, God through Daniel, wanted to encourage and give his people hope. And for us... We're much the same. This is not our home. We are exiles. We are, hopefully, members of the kingdom of God. And if we are members of the kingdom of God, then this is not the final destination. We're just merely on a road trip. And yes, there is going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth and pit stops and distractions and things that go wrong. 
hurdles and all sorts of challenges. And we have to remember that we have to keep our eye and keep our minds focused on the destination, on our eternal hope. Because if we try to make everything, as we've said many times throughout this, the study of this book, if we try to make this our home, if we try to kind of keep everything going exactly as we'd want to here, perfectly and organized, it's never going to work out. The reason that we see in our lives, if we just were honest with ourselves, examined our own hearts first, that we pursue so many idols, is we're trying to find some way to make this place livable as long as we can while we wait for Christ to return. We're trying to find something that we can hold on to, something that we can kind of grip and say, this will give me peace, this will bring me joy, this will sustain me, this will give me something as I wait for God to do what he's going to do. In the meantime, I'm just going to white knuckle it, just try and make it through this life. You ever been in the midst of traffic? This last week, it is as if the Lord was trying to teach me a degree of patience that I have yet to obtain. Everywhere I went, there was a wreck in front of me. And I'm just white-knuckling it, checking ways. Come on, Lord, give me a different route. There's got to be another way to get around this thing. Just, just losing my mind, waiting. And, I'm, and everywhere I went, it seemed as, I was, as if I was late. And isn't that how we just live life? We're just trying to make it, and this gets in our way, and this gets in our way, and this frustrates us, and then they've got this problem. And as soon as we get to a place where we think everything's sunshine and roses, bam, life comes and hits you again, and you're like, what's going on? So we come to Daniel chapter 7, and the reason that God gave us this chapter, the reason God initially spoke this word to the people of exile, Daniel's peers was to reassure his people that he is in total control over all of their lives. In Daniel's case, the evil empire that had taken them captive and these kings that were sort of on a rotation here, just moving, God setting them up, taking them down, but constantly keeping Daniel and his people in captivity and in bondage, that there was going to be a hope that there was a future for them, that they would, that God had not forgotten them. And in our case, as we look around, all of the idolatry that I just referenced, all of those things that we constantly pursue, that we think if we would just obtain that, then we would be okay. Just imagine that just for a moment in your own minds. I could not possibly understand where every one of you are, but more than likely there's something in your heart that if I were to ask you, said, if the, what, what are you waiting on? If, if, if everything could go right for you this afternoon or on Monday, what would that look like? And you'd fill in the blank. And more often than not, we are going to fill in the blank with the wrong thing. We'd fill it in with something from this world, something that we could obtain, something that is accomplished by man, rather than resting, hopeful, trusting, knowing that it's God's kingdom and what God has for us that is our only hope. We fill that blank in, and so in our days, we need this encouragement from Daniel chapter 7 because we see the idolatry, we see the abomination of our culture, and just the degrad just everything seems to be falling apart. Just yesterday, I visited two families in our community that had lost a loved one forever. Just the brokenness, moment by moment, it just seems every single day we're reminded. And so we need to have some hope. We need to be encouraged to see that God has not taken his hand off of this universe, that God has not stopped holding everything together. 
So I'm going to jump to the middle of this chapter, Daniel chapter 7, verse 17 and 18. Because this really is kind of the encapsulates this chapter for us. And this chapter, by the way, of all of the book of Daniel, many consider Daniel 7 the most important book, or the most important chapter, excuse me, of the book. And Daniel 7, 17 and 18 essentially sort of describe and give us this hope and remind us of what is going to be said in the entirety of this chapter. Verse 17, these four great beasts and four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Daniel is saying, and he's described already previous to this verse, and we're going to read it, but previous to this verse, he's described these kings and these kingdoms, these earthly powers, these things that seem to be in control and to dominate all of life. But then he reminds them in verse 18 that the saints of the Most High, the people of God, shall receive a kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. See, we read Daniel chapter 7, and like chapter 2 before it, very often as we read these two chapters that have this sort of prophetic voice to them, and there's clearly this story in Daniel chapter 2, if you remember, Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream, and there was this statue, and it was made up of these four precious metals, and there was, Nebuchadnezzar was trying to understand what that meant. Here again in chapter 7, we're going to see about these four beasts and these four kings. And the focus, though, gets put on, as we study Daniel very often, many people put the attention and the focus on verse 17. We want to understand who are these four beasts? What do they represent? What, is this, what are the kingdoms that they're speaking of? And we get all caught up and wound up. If you've ever studied this book, you'll know that we can spend hours and hours upon hours and there will really never be this side of heaven total agreement amongst people that are way smarter than everyone in this room, including me, and like really including me. Way smarter than us debating and, and trying to understand what do these things represent? And we focus all of our attention because we want to know what's the future hold for us. We want to know what's this going to look like. We want to know who's going to be in power. Can we see this sort of geopolitical movement over here in the east? And does that relate to Daniel chapter 7? Does this mean God is doing something? You know what happens when we do that, when we put all of our attention on verse 17? We miss verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess it forever and ever. Amen. Does it really matter, we're going to look at it, but does it really matter the movement of these earthly, human, geopolitical kingdoms that God is going to set up and take right back down when we know where the road trip ends, when we know the end of the game? Our attention and our focus, and we can be encouraged in spite of whatever it is that you might be facing today. Whatever degree of persecution, uh, hurt, pain, challenge, suffering, frustration, even whatever joys and excitement and all of the good things that this life might offer, we can know that those good things are just a reflection of even greater things. And those hard things and those bad things will ultimately fade away, and there will only be one thing that lasts us and God as members of his kingdom, and that's going to go on forever and ever. Our attention needs to be on verse 18. That's why Daniel wrote this, why God gave us this chapter, the saints of the Most High. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you've put your hope in Christ, if you've put your hope in the work of Jesus Christ, what he accomplished on the cross for you and I, 
That's, that's us, the saints of the Most High, that's you and I. You are a saint. You are a royal priesthood, First Peter would say. You're adopted sons and daughters, Paul would say. We are saints of the Most High God. That is powerful. That is who you are. You are not your sports team. You are not your family. You are not your friends or relationships. You are not your likes or your hearts or whatever it is these days on the social media platforms. You are not what this world says about you. You are not what the neighbor who hates you says about you. You're also not what the neighbor who loves you says about you. You are a saint of the most high God. And if we are saints, we have been given a gift and we shall receive, it says. The saints of the most high shall receive. Not maybe, not we hope. There's a business book, it's called Hope is Not a Strategy. Guess what? It sort of applies to the Bible. It's a good title. We don't hope, we know that we shall receive. And guess what? If you receive something, you receive a gift, that means there is a giver who owned that gift before he gave it to you. You ever received a gift? Did you thank someone for that gift or did you just assume, well, that just must have come out of thin air? No, there was a giver of the gift. And we shall, saints, receive this kingdom, his kingdom. And it's the kingdom that will last forever. It's the only kingdom that will last forever. The saints of the Most High shall receive the lasting kingdom of God. And guess what? We will receive it and dwell in it and have it forever and ever and ever. We get so caught up in this life, this world, the highs and the lows. Our highs, if we're just honest, if I just tell you my highs are a little bit too high because they're not, if I, if I really understood where I was headed and the hope and the future that I have, even the greatest joy on this earth, I would recognize, you know what, this is pretty awesome, but it ain't what I'm going to get. And the lowest of lows, those valleys where I'm in the deepest, darkest pit of depression and hurt and pain and challenge and maybe uncertainty and I have zero idea, I don't know what my future holds, I can know I'm here now. But I know where I'm headed. I know the Lord will lift my weary head, will lift me up, and will carry me forward. And I will one day, despite all of the things that I'm experiencing right now, all of the frustration and all of the hurt and all of the pains that are a part of this life, I know that I will receive the kingdom. And it will be forever. And everything that I'm looking at right now, good and bad, it will be as if it were nothing. It will be gone in the blink of an eye, and we will be with God in his kingdom forever. That's why God gave us this chapter. That's why Daniel wrote it and spoke this word to his people to encourage them in exile. Brothers and sisters, we are in exile. This is not our home. Know that. Remember that. If we can grasp the temporary nature of life, we will have a much better perspective on all that God is doing. So let's read. Let's read this chapter and see what God has to say. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, 
Now I'm going to pause right there. This is verse 1 of chapter 7. You're thinking to yourself, wait, I thought we had Darius and we had Bel. This is chapter 7 is a vision of Daniel that he received when Belshazzar was king, which Belshazzar, if you've forgotten already, and, uh, was Nebuchadnezzar's son. Nebuchadnezzar loses the kingdom of God, or uh, not the kingdom of God, loses his kingdom that God has given him, and he establishes Belshazzar, his son, as the next king. And so this, this chapter 7 is not in chronological order with all of the chapters, but Daniel is sort of referring back to when he received this vision from God. So in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream. He realized the importance of this dream. He realized that he needed to write it down so he wouldn't forget. And he told the sum of the matter. Verse 2, Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke it in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed at the Ancient of Days, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him, A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked, then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, as I looked, the beast beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me that he made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever." 
Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms. And it shall devour the whole earth, and trample it down, and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of the kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and he shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now I know what you're thinking. What in the world? And did he really have to read all of that at one time? Yes. We need to get the grand picture of all that God is doing. And understand that as we try to dissect and understand what it is that was going on, and some of, I, I know this is the case. I've had many conversations, and I've been this way myself. We sometimes, we read the, the chapter, we read the Bible and what's before us, and, and our head just begins to spin a little bit with dizziness, thinking, what is going on, and what are these words, and how does all of this make any sense? But we need to grasp the bigness of what is going on. This story, this text describes for us a large portion of human history from the days of Daniel, the Babylonians, all the way forward to what most would believe is the Roman Empire. And God is describing and painting the picture for Daniel. Guess what? Daniel and children of God, I understand that you feel as if I've forgotten you. You feel as if I'm not aware of what's going on. You feel as if perhaps you're going to be trapped in exile, completely cut off from my favor and my blessings forever. But let me just tell you, Daniel, all that's going to happen. And guess what? I'm the God who sees it. I'm the God who ordains it. I'm the God who is the one that sets it all up. Don't forget who I am. And so as we read this text, as it can be complex and perhaps perplexing to us and confusing even, we need to remember it should draw our minds and our attention to the fact that we aren't God. See, one of the challenges is that we think that we are God. We think too often. We put ourselves in too high a place. And hopefully, as I read this, as it affected my own heart, I'm just humbled before God and saying, I don't get it all. I can't, per I can't perceive it all. I can't fit it all in my brain. God, you are infinite. I'm finite. You are big and I am small. 
And so you can see this focus clearly how easy it would be for us to be tempted to just draw our our attention exclusively to these beasts and these kingdoms. So let's just quickly review them. We've got four beasts. A lion has wings, but the wings are plucked on, and then he stands on two feet. We've got a bear who just had a meal. He's carrying around three ribs in his mouth. We've got a leopard has four wings and four heads. Finally, there's a beast that we don't get a description or a name. We don't have an animal that we can equate it to, but it's got ten horns, and then three of those horns are stripped off, and a little horn comes up, and that little horn's got a mouth and eyes, and it's weird, and it speaks. First thing we need to understand is this is apocalyptic literature. This is not narrative. This isn't just purely telling a story, but it uses symbolism and allegory to describe. And so as we gain understanding of this text... We don't read it in the same way that you might read a fiction story or just any other text, narrative stories in the Bible. But we can make sense of this. Again, to make sense of it, we just have to remember why God gave this vision to Daniel. To remind him that he was in control. To connect, we can see that Daniel here is seeing a vision of four beasts or four kingdoms. If you were with us earlier, you go back to hear Daniel chapter 2. And Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a statue. And the statue was made up of four materials, four beasts, four materials. And Daniel showed Nebuchadnezzar how each of those four metals were representative of human kingdoms, earthly kingdoms that God would set up and then the next one would come after it and take it down. The kingdom of man rises and falls according to God's will. And we need to keep our minds on God, who is the one who sets it all up. Daniel chapter 2 describes the four kingdoms from the human perspective, seeing the kingdoms set up and then taken down by other human beings. Daniel 7 describes these kingdoms from God's perspective. God sees the cruelty, the self-seeking, the power-hungry nature of these human kingdoms, and he allows them to devour one another. But as I said, the thing we must remember is why did God give us this word? One of the commentators said it this way, and I love this quote, the intention of the apocalyptic, this text that we just read, is not to chart out God's plan for the future so that future generations could draw up calendars to assure the present generation that perhaps to the contrary, God is still on the throne. No, the reason that we're given this is that the future is firmly in his hands. We are tempted to get caught up in trying to map everything out. And there are people, there are wise scholars that have done that. And we can examine that and try to gain some understanding of what God is up to. And there's nothing inherently wrong about that. But the purpose of this text, the reason God gave us this text, is to remind us of whose hand all of that mapping and all of that time and generation after generation and kingdom after kingdom, whose hand it is really in, is to elevate our hearts to see God. In case you're wondering, the first kingdom is believed to be the Babylonian kingdom. It was replaced by the Medo-Persian kingdom, if you study history, which in return was replaced by Greece or the Seleucids. And then finally, this last kingdom, the one with all the horns, is believed to probably represent the Roman Empire and all of the effects that the Roman Empire had. The little horn with the mouth and the eyeballs, is is believed to represent the Antichrist because he comes and attacks and speaks against God's people. But then the Son of Man comes. 
And just as the beast represents the kings ruling over the kingdom, the Son of Man, Jesus, will rule over the eternal kingdom of God. Notice what it said, the Son of Man. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus used that title, the Son of Man, as his favorite title. If you look all of the New Testament, all of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus uses the title Son of Man more than any other title for himself. And then you see this conversation, this speaking of the holy ones, the saints of God, God's people. So Daniel sees these visions. He sees these beasts. He sees the beasts come and take down one another, one killing the other. And then he sees the throne room of God open up. As I looked in verse 9, as I looked, there were placed the Ancient of Days, took his seat, his clothing white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. In the midst of Daniel's vision of seeing these beasts and the kingdoms that they represent, he sees God take his seat on his throne. The white of his head and the white of his garment representing his holiness and his purity. The fiery flames representing his justice and the refinement of God, how he refines all things through fire. The wheels of his throne. Notice that God's not bound by a throne that is stationary, but it has wheels on it, and it can move. It goes to and fro, seeing all that is up to. God is sovereign over all of these things. God is in control. So, as we grasp and understand a little bit about what Daniel sees here, as we understand that there are four kingdoms, four kings, these earthly kingdoms come and go and there is only one that lasts forever, we, are, we must come to grips with the reality that earthly rulers and everything that we see in front of us will one day fade away. We've seen in previous chapters how God sets up kings, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and Darius in last chapter, and these kings come, and then they are immediately or, or very quickly taken down in the timing of God. And yet we find the temptation daily to put our hope in everything that we see around us. Brothers and sisters, if you don't receive anything else this morning, I hope that maybe you hear to lift your eyes, lift them up from this earthly plane where we tend to focus so heavily, where we sometimes just keep our eyes down. When Pastor Davis was here, you might remember that he said his son walked around like this all the time, and we was, he was always he worried that he might step off the stage. So many of us, we live our lives and our eyes are so focused on what we see in front of us. We're so focused on the earthly things, the human things, the small things of this world that we forget to look up and recognize that there is a God of the universe who is sovereign over it all. And if we lift our eyes up, guess what? These things, we're not greater than them. We're not above them in some sort of, you know, uh, snobby way, <laughs> but they're much smaller they're much less significant to us. We can walk. Think about what was beneath your feet as you walked in this morning. Can you remember any of it? You know that it was probably concrete, unless you've got some mud on your shoes, which is perhaps because there's some rain out there this weekend. But you have no idea of what was below you. You just walked. The other day I walked around and I came inside. I had on a pair of my favorite shoes. 
Some of you know, I've got a few pairs of favorite shoes, and I looked down, and there was junk all over. And I'm like, what, what happened? I'd walk through some grass, and, you know, all, everything's in bloom now, and there's all these little things stuck to my shoes, and had no idea what I was walking through. Why? Because my eyes were up here. We need to raise our attention. We need to look up more. We need to recognize the kingdom of God is what is most important. And the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that will last. And these things that are happening here on earth, yes, we need to deal with them with holiness. We need to deal with them with as much purity as we can. We need to deal with them with the hope of the future kingdom. But we don't need to get so caught up in them. We don't need to get embroiled in this because we know there is a future. And this... You may be wondering, why did Laura read Ezekiel? This is why we can do that. Why is there a greater kingdom? Why do we uh, lift our eyes? Why why is our encouragement to, to, to not get so focused on what is going on in an earthly sense? Because we know that God will do, he will accomplish his purposes And why will he accomplish his purposes? Why will he do what he's going to do? Because he wants to receive all the glory. He deserves to receive all the glory. God will do what he does. He will establish his eternal kingdom. And the saints of God, the holy ones, no matter what happens with the beasts of the earth, the holy ones will be lifted up. The holy ones will receive the kingdom of God. Why? Because he will receive the glory. He will also do it for our good. That's why we say so often he moves for our good and his glory. As you look around and see all of the things that are happening in your life, remember that God is at work and he is accomplishing the things that he wants to accomplish for your good. Even the hard things will be for your good and for his glory. We remember that. And how will he do it? How will he accomplish handing over the kingdom of God to us to receive it forever and ever? Amen. He will do it through the gift of his son. That's why Ezekiel is such an important text. He says to the house of Israel, he says to us who have forgotten God so often, who've forgotten that he is sovereign over all things, who have gotten our minds so bogged down in the earthly things before us and what's going to happen next, how we're going to do this for our kids, how we're going to accomplish that, how we're going to move in this relationship or that relationship, and we forget all of the things that Israel had done, completely forgotten and abandoned God. And God said, even though... I will put a new heart in verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I'll remove that heart of stone that caused you to forget who I was. Even though you've seen me move generation after generation, people of God, I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. It will not be a burden to walk in God's holiness. It won't be something that's oppressive to us. Young people, you may often hear or feel so often that you're being told what to do. You need to do this. You need to do that because God says, and he might spite you if not. No, when God gives you his new heart and he places his spirit within you, he causes us to walk in his statutes with joy. It is our joy to be holy as he is holy this is not burdensome because we know we have received this gift from God through Christ and you 
shall be my people. You shall be the saints that will receive the kingdom forever and ever and ever, and I will be your God. In verse 32, it's not for your sake that I will act. Daniel, it's not for your sake that I'm going to, these beasts are going to come and go, but I will establish a kingdom that will last forever. No, declares the Lord, let it be known to you that it is for my sake, it's for my glory. Daniel's goal with this message was to reassure God's people in exile that their sovereign God is in control and evil empires will ultimately fade away and the everlasting kingdom of God delivered through Jesus, the Son of Man, will last forever. And so as we read this today, have hope, be encouraged that God has not stepped down from that throne. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. His plan will continue to unfold exactly as he has laid it out. It will happen perfectly. And in spite of our lawlessness, in spite of our forgetfulness that was described there in Ezekiel, in spite of all that we know about ourselves, we, the saints of God, will receive the everlasting kingdom of God. And we will do that because of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. If you don't know Jesus, if you have not received the kingdom of God through his sacrifice on the cross, I can just tell you, you have not received the heart of flesh that will allow you to keep your eyes here. If you find your life plagued by uncertainty, and by an attention and a focus that you cannot seem to get your eyes off of the earthly things, the challenges and the pains, or even the joys and the good things, but your eyes are here, let me just ask, do you really know who Jesus is? Have you believed? Because when Jesus said, do you believe, he says, do you believe that I am the Son of God? And if I am the Son of God, and he has given all things into my hand, he says, I will give them to you. You shall receive. And if we have received the kingdom of God, what more is there to receive? We have received everlasting life and entrance into an eternal kingdom that shall not end. Is there anything greater? Is there something more? The answer is no. So if you don't believe this morning, let me just encourage you. I'm glad you're here. You're not in the wrong place. Don't think, oh man, he's about to beat me up. No. You are loved by an almighty God who brought you here so that you could hear of his bigness and his might and his grace and mercy that in spite of the, the power that he has and his holiness and his purity and that he is white as snow and has a flaming tongue of fire that he came and dwelt among us and he lived a perfect sinless life so he could go to a cross and received the death that I deserved, that you deserved. And he did that all for us so that he could welcome us into his kingdom, a kingdom which shall not pass. Amen. Repent of those sins. Repent of those things that have kept your eyes focused on the ground before you and lift up your eyes and see that Jesus is good and he is real and he is true. Repent and believe. That's why Daniel wrote this book, wrote this chapter 
so that we could be encouraged in who our God is. Let's never forget it. Let me pray. Holy Spirit of God, I pray now, um, just ask that your spirit would move over this room and for anyone who does not know the joy of being a member of the kingdom of God, have being, having received that everlasting gift, the gift of your grace and your mercy which shall not ever pass. Right now, we just pause and ask you, Spirit of God, move over our hearts. Would you take out the hearts of stone and replace them with a heart of flesh? And would you fill us with your spirit that allows us to walk in your statutes with joy because you lead us to look more like you. We plead with you, O oh God, to bring restoration, bring healing. Resolve the brokenness. Dear ones, if you find yourself conversing with God, being led to repent and confess your sins before him and to believe that Jesus did pay it all for you, do not forsake this moment. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to just move over your life. Supernatural surgery is going on as God, almighty God, takes out the hardened heart of stone that would not ever yield or bow or humble itself to him. And he is placing within you a heart of flesh. And he's filling that heart with his spirit to unite, to unite you with himself as you believe in the Son of Man, as you believe in Jesus, as you believe in that everlasting kingdom that Jesus came to deliver to us. Brothers and sisters in Christ who have believed, who trust, let us also repent of the temptation to keep our eyes focused on these earthly things, on earthly kingdoms, earthly events. God, help us to lift our eyes to you, to see you for who you are, to trust that in spite of everything that might be going on around us, that we have been given entrance and welcomed and adopted into the kingdom of God that will last forever. So would you just allow this life and the smallness of this life to be what it is small in our eyes, oh God? Would you help us to just focus our attention, our hearts? Would you give us over to just be completely attentive to who you are and what you are doing in your kingdom that will last forever? In the deep valleys that we are in this morning, God, would you lift our heads and remind us of who you are? Remind us that we will 
one day bow at your feet. We will one day worship with you in a kingdom that will not ever end, in joy and in thanksgiving. And for those of us that are experiencing great joys this morning, God, would you just um, help us to remember and know that they are just glimpses of the, the future hope that we will one day enjoy forever. God, we praise you. We thank you that you are sovereign over all things. As has been said before, that there is not a molecule on this planet that is not doing exactly what you instruct it to do. Thank you, God, that you are big. Thank you for welcoming us, in spite of who we are, into your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We do it all because of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Every knee will bow, every eye will see. Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.